Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. Randy, I don't know about you, you and your little office yeah, you <laughs> in your cube with you your know, screen you know in the background. All, you know all, yeah, you know all about me. You know all about working in an alternate work location, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm in one. I'm in one. <laughs> well, I thought that would be a great topic um, because the discussion comes up ever since COVID. We've talked about this. And it's becoming uh, a, a topic again. So it was kind of during COVID, at least at cities. I don't know about everywhere else in the nation, but in cities, you know, it hit us in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, like the March of 2020 timeframe. COVID hits us like a train. We knew it's out there, but all of a sudden we have all kinds of workers, the entire crews going out, entire stations going out. Um, and it's unknown at this point. And so basically everybody, we're, we're now work from home. Those that can, essential workers have to come in, split your teams up, do pods, do whatever you have to, to try to, you know, prevent the spread of this. Hence the work from an alternate location starts developing this telecommuting um, workplace situation and that goes on for a while. We get all the IT helps us get all the computers distributed and then it's okay. Now that it's settled down after six months, it started getting back into the workplace and we had hybrids. So we had so many days at home, so many days at work, no high number of people in the office at the same time and sanitizing everything, every shift. Right. Um, so that kind of started for, for at least my experience, I had never worked in a hybrid or work from home situation uh, other than on a, you know, I had a doctor's appointment and I asked, can I work from home since I'm going to be out till noon and just finish the day up so I'm not losing time, right? I mean, those rare situations would happen. But this is truly a hybrid schedule where we have, you work Monday, Tuesday from home, and then your other coworker works Tuesday, Wednesday from home, et cetera. Now, fast forward to 2020. 2023. And there's these questions that are arising as we're trying to recruit for the last year of should we do hybrid work and allow it? And who should be eligible and shouldn't be eligible? In other words, there's just some positions that can't. Many cities have dealt with this. You can't do it with fire. You can't do it with police. You can't do it with streets, utility workers. They need to be here with the tools and resources we have. Um, and so the challenge becomes, um, one, if you should do it, but what does it take to do it well? So everybody can do it, but do you know the productivity level? Do you know the, how do you keep people connected and the connectivity level? How do you lead a hybrid workforce? Those are all big questions that seem easy, but they're really, they're really not. But when it boils down to it, it really comes down to what I call just really good, strong, solid leadership. Right. I mean, it's it's leading no, well in this new situation or in our case, going reverting back to kind of a situation we had a year and a half ago, but figuring out how to do it in the norm, in the routine of operations. And should we do that? And I'm you know, that's something that we're always looking into here. And I'm working with managers that are doing it uh, in the city, those that aren't doing it, but are exploring it and that kind of thing. So I thought it'd be good for us to focus 
this conversation and maybe take a couple deep dives uh, on future uh, podcasts and uh, to talk about dialogue about the unique, intricate things of a hybrid workforce. Uh, I'm actually researching it on Google to get more like data analytics around it, studies that have been done so I can become more versed in the challenges that exist and what's been found. But interestingly enough, um, one of the things that I was looking at, and I'm quoting this in case anybody wants to look at it, it's uh, DDI, like dog, dog, igloo, DDI, 10 hot leadership topics of 2023. And the number one is the hybrid workforce. Okay. Uh, and I thought it was great because uh, one of the topics that I'd like to touch on today on a hybrid workforce is that it, it talked about having developing the right culture for a remote team. You know, in, in this case, I'd call it hybrid because I don't know any city that's doing exclusively remote. This may be happening. I'm just not aware of it. Um, but when you talk about culture, you and I kind of talked about it before we hopped on. If you don't have a good culture now, it's not going to get better with a hybrid workforce. I don't think you have no. to have a culture that's in place, that's strong, and then enhance it through hybrid to do the things that might be a little bit more difficult when they're away from you every day. And and we've talked about this when you it's very easy here when I've got all my staff in one place for me to come in in the morning, walk down the hall and peek in and say, good morning. Good morning, Arcelia. Good morning, Uriah. Hope you had a good, nice weekend. Hope you have a good day. And to pop in when they're working on a project. Well, when they're remote, you got to make a concerted effort to call, to do a Teams, to do a chat, and to make sure not only you are connecting with them, but they are connecting with one another. Uh, if the culture isn't strong and you don't have that, then I would almost say you don't want to have a hybrid workforce. That's my perception. Because you're going to lose connection. You're going to not track productivity. You're going to, we don't know if they're working when they are here, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if, if you're not leading well and staying in tune, you don't know what they're doing now versus if they're away from you out of sight, out of mind. Um, but studies have actually proven that at least what I've been reading so far in three different articles is they found that productivity is actually higher with some of the work, the hybrid work forces because there's no commute time because there's not as many walk-ins that doesn't mean there aren't they don't still call you but there's you can be more focused in your work and still meet people but it's efficient right yeah, you're not traveling you're not tired <clears throat> etc i'm sorry what were you saying less interruptions less interruptions yeah <clears throat> and it doesn't mean less service it's no. just when you're physically there you're more at least we did. We practiced more scheduling stuff online to make sure they were free. Right. When you're here, they just pop in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's okay too. Sure. But you have a have a culture that's got an open book, that's got an an opportunity for them to pop in when they need to, and that they have to learn. One of the things we've experienced with the hybrid model, people say, "Well, I hate to bother you." I'm like, "But you come in when I'm here." Right. Just. Say, are you ping me? Are you available? And I'll say, yeah, and pop on, you know? So I don't want them to think because I'm not physically present here in the work site, then I'm not physically present and able to see them remotely. So you do have to, I've, I've learned you had to shift the mentality a little bit that it's not a bother. I'm just in a different location. I'm working the same day. Right. 
And that, I don't know why that's a shift, but for many, I heard that over and over. I didn't want to bother you. You were at home. Well, yes, I'm at home, but I'm still working. It's just like when I'm on a conference, I tell the staff, I'm still working. Call me, text me, teams me. Yeah. I'm still in business. For culture purposes, in order to build a good hybrid culture, you've got to be able to build a good in-person culture. You can build a good in-person culture and still not be able to build a great culture for hybrid. But you got to be able to do an in-person one if you're ever going to, you know. So I don't want people thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me, and we're not even thinking about hybrid. We're not even thinking about letting anybody. Okay, we'll tap the brakes on that because there's a ton of, of crossover for our ability to build a good culture. So define, define it as as you see it. I mean, let's put some definition to culture. So the people know, let let me first say this, because I thought this quote was great in here and it seems so simplistic, but it's true. It says leaders must put thought into building a culture that aligns all team members, irrespective of location. So it shouldn't be what's the in-person culture and what's the hybrid culture. It should be your culture, period. And then you have to align, okay, now when they're, doesn't matter where they're at, how do I connect them? How do we make sure they're productive? How do we serve our customers? What's the expectations on callbacks? I mean, it's if you think about it, it should be exactly the same. Yeah, well, there's an awful lot of us that have run operations that had multiple locations where we weren't all in one location. Forget yeah, remote work. Private it's just sector somebody's in global. one city. Yeah, somebody's in one city, somebody's in another city, but you still got to make that, you still have to make that work. Which That's right. It's kind of comical to me how, how novel every, now I came from, I came from retailing, but I've worked in operations where, you know, we, we had a whole lot of, we had a whole lot of different stores and a whole lot of different managers and a whole lot, a lot of different locations. And, you know, that was, that was back in the eighties, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, that, we, f- we figured that out so we can certainly figure this out. Right. And I think you have to take into account here, what is the, the city's culture or what is your organization's culture? If those are listening or not with the city, but if, what is your organization's culture and how do you carry through that culture? If it's a positive one, hopefully into your team or your unit, your business unit, right? Um, for me, we have a culture of raving fan service and raving fans is going above and beyond the expectations of the customer, giving them more than they expected, right. In the experience. So when you're, when you're talking about that culture, how do I ensure when we're hybrid and working from home, that same service delivery exists, the same responsiveness exists, the same friendliness, professionalism. And so for us, we kind of define it with our team. We aren't, Currently, our HR department is not hybrid. Uh, We were, but it's something that we're always exploring with CMO to see, does it work? Who does it work with? And then helping those departments that are doing it, make sure they're productive, make sure that culture applies and make sure they're keeping connections with their people. But it's interesting um, because there's this phenomenon that people kind of believe, well, they... I don't know if they're productive. I don't know if they were productive when they're here, unless you're monitoring it. <laughs> you know, yeah, we've got offices. Right. I'm not around every day. 
Um, so this culture you have to put into play when we're talking about culture. For me, it's the work environment that somebody wants to come to every day that's positive, empowering, and connective. You know, you you have a desire to serve one another. You have a positive energy that you can feel, not just hear about, um, and engagement. That's what I'm looking for in a culture of service from every team member I bring on. And and the challenge, the one point I wanted to get to today is when you're trying to develop that culture, you need to make sure your practices and your expectations for a hybrid workforce delineate that. If you're leaving it, in my opinion, unspoken, if you're just hoping that they understand that, because there's a lot more freedom with hybrid and you have to lay down those expectations and communicate them upfront, in my opinion, because they are out of sight. So you have to, you know, for me, it's not telling them necessarily the rules, although we do make them sign a document. The way I relay it is, guys, this is a privilege that has been offered to us from the city manager's office. And I want to show them what a great job we can do in a hybrid schedule and serve our customers well. So let's make ourselves shine, which is different than if you go out on a hybrid, you better well answer that call every 24 hours, you know, in, in 24 hours right. or answer that call in 10 minutes or less. And it's a dictator of yeah, you're going right. to sign this or else. Yeah. I try to make it. Well, that's tyranny. Have influence. Uh -huh. Have influence. Make it positive for all of us so we can continue doing it. Show them how this can work really, really well if it's done right. And let's be the example because we are HR. But you used two words there, I think, that are really important and worth some uh, a few minutes of attention, and that's want and desire. And for me, culture, those are huge components of mm -hmm. it all. You know, we have to get alignment with what we want and what we desire, we being everybody, everybody in, in the team. I mean, let's use let's use ourselves as, as illustrations. So Rhonda and I had our desires aligned and what we wanted in, you know, this desire to have a place over in Arkansas, you and Don had, y'all were on the same page. I mean, how many couples she wants this and he wants that they love each other, but they want completely different things. I mean, imagine you and Don going through that. Thankfully you didn't or Rhonda and I going through that and, and what we were desiring. So there's culture in our marriages, there's culture in our friendships, there's culture in our work. And so much of it stems from, can we be unified in what we want? Can we be unified in our desire? And for me as a leader, a big part of it was evangelizing, selling, if you please, preaching the message to get buy-in, it's a trite phrase, but it's as good as any, to get people to buy into this bigger thing that we're all trying to accomplish that would be virtually impossible for any of us mm -hmm. to do by ourselves. But man, together, look at how significant an impact we can have in our in our city, in our community, and in and our team and that's a big thing. And we got to be able to do that in person before we can even think about moving, migrating that, you know, to, to a hybrid. 
Right. And there's kind of three components, I think, as we dive into this kind of mini series on a hybrid workforce. Uh, and I and I hope our listeners will write in on, you know, on our, our Gmail account and our Grow Great um, Gmail to tell us their experiences, because I know they're out there and what's working and not working, because that will also help us tailor well, we're all still trying to figure that. this. We're all still just trying to figure this out. Absolutely. So I'm hoping listeners that are out there, please, please write us because we want to hear about your journey. We want to hear about your challenges and uh, positives that you've experienced, so that we can address them. But to me, it kind of falls in three areas, Randy, that I think we'll take a deeper dive on. Um, that that may give insight and perspective, and that we may learn from others that that uh, share with us. One is we've obviously, we've talked about the culture. How do you create the culture first? Because that has got to exist. It's kind of like our leadership recipe where humility has to be the foundation. You have to have a culture that is going to work and support a hybrid workforce. And part of that culture is going to come down to how do you keep them connected, the connectivity, um, not just connected by a virtual platform like Teams or Zoom, but truly connected with the individual so the team camaraderie and team spirit can flourish, right? That mm. service to others can flourish, that our business partnerships can flourish. So it's the connectivity. The second thing is make sure what you should be doing when they're present at work site is hiring right. You have to have the right people that can effectively do this. If you have people that are prone to take advantage of it, that are taking advantage of other things, they're certainly going to take advantage of more when they can't be seen, right, every day. So you have to have trust and integrity in those that you hire the best you can as you hire. I call it hiring right. You need to hire right as best you can that we all know from a one or two hours worth of interviews. Um, we use it, actually, it's called a zero-risk work assessment. And it's not a personality assessment. It's a work style. It determines self-awareness, political savvy, ability to work in new situations, um, things like that. And it's pretty a pretty amazing tool um, that we've been using since about 2009 uh, on not all new hires, but many new hires, the departments that wish to use it. Tools like that help us hire right, get the right people on the bus that we can trust uh, and then establish the trust so that we can send them out on the workforce. And then the last thing is, is a gauge of productivity. You have to know how to manage generally and lead your team well in order to manage productivity and track it and follow up and set expectations that are reasonable and known, a known source in order to demonstrate we haven't lost efficiency because we are taxpayer dollars. And I think it's critical in determining that you are, you know what is being accomplished and you know that the time is being used wisely for what we are paying them. You know, I say a, a, a day's pay for a, a solid day's work. And then the final thing that it comes down to is um, kind of tracking, tracking the team engagement making sure, and it's, it's, I guess that's kind of productivity. I mean, uh, not productivity, kind of connectivity. connectivity. Yeah. But engagement's critical that they're still serving their business partners and businesses well, 
A big part I have in our culture is outreach. I want you in front of your customers. So when you're not physically on site, are we balancing that with their needs to make sure their needs are getting met from a service expectation? Well, and would you include, you know, their own personal and professional growth and part of that engagement, which is, which is still a little different from connectivity, but it's not like, okay, well, you're just, you're out of sight and out of mind and we hope you figure out a way to grow and improve now. That's right. So all of those, and when you talk about needing strong leadership anyway, and leadership is hard, I think your, your words, it, everything's hard until it's easy. Am yep. I quoting it right? Yep. <laughs> yep. You know, leadership is hard without any hybrid work schedules, but when you have hybrid work schedules thrown in, and I guess, I guess one piece I forgot that would be important to talk about is who can do a hybrid workforce. Is it fair or is it equitable? Right. Uh, yeah. Because not well, everybody can do it. Know, and we've talked yeah. about that. People, people gripe and moan. Well, that's not that's not fair. It's you know, or it's not equal. Most people yell it's not fair, which I don't think is accurate. I do agree that it's not always it's not always equal because jobs aren't equal. You mm-hmm. know, we talk. We're there's just jobs that are in person, as you mentioned in the intro, that mm-hmm. there's no possibility for it. But mm-hmm. most of us know that we know that going in and nobody has a gun to our head to do any particular job that we do. We can develop, we can learn, we can grow, we can give ourselves other opportunities if we want them. But then there are people that, I mean, the people that I know that are policemen, they love it. <laughs> they love it. You can't do police work without being out there. Uh, you know, so some of those. And some typically of those jobs when they get way. hurt or something, they're trying to get back to work as fast as they yeah, can. Of course they are. Of course they are. It I like would just say them, this. Right. I, yeah. I would just say this, that if you have, if you have any, if you've got, if you've got big gaping holes in leadership, if you've got, if you've got big gaps in your culture and in the effectiveness that you need to shore that up. You need to shore that up as best you can with your in-person stuff before you start tackling the hybrid thing. Mm-hmm. I would caution anybody to think, well, we're going to go to this hybrid thing and maybe that that will remedy, maybe that will fix things. Maybe that will make it easier for us to, to attract other people. It may, but I would not advise anybody to look for that as the panacea to fix what leadership gaps may may be existing in, in your own leadership or just in leadership in general mm-hmm. in your in your organization. We need to get we need to get this right. We owe it to ourselves and to our citizens and to our communities and, and our team to get this right, to get it as right as we can. It doesn't have to be perfect. We are humans. It's going to be messy. Well, and, and our people are humans. They right. are no it's all different, gonna be messy. No different than you may have a low performer on your work site and at your work site, you could have a low performer virtual, right? That's Hybrid. Right. The challenge is so many people just say, Because I had that one, everybody come back. And I oh, would yeah, caution right. you, you penalize the one, in my opinion. Because the others, if they're getting their work done and highly productive and highly efficient and engaged, 
and serving departments and you're not getting any complaints, why does the entire group have to suffer for the one? I bring the one back. You didn't mm -hmm. meet our expectations. You're on, you know, you're, you're in person until we determine otherwise. But that's tantamount to go. But that's tantamount to a worker that is 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 problematic, and we take a shotgun approach to fix that problem when we we just need to talk operate to more with a sniper rifle and talk yeah. to that person and handle that one specific kind Individual. of a situation. But yeah, that, and so much of that comes down to the crucial conversations and then not wanting to have them. I'd rather just tell everybody, Hey, be sure you're everybody's yeah. logging in on time. Yeah, and everybody's right. like, I do log in on every time, you know, right. they're like, what are exactly. you talking about? And it's the one that's going, Oh, they must be talking about me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, work is going to be work is being redefined and we're it going is. to redefine it. And the upcoming generation is going to force, they are forcing our hand to do it. And while the pandemic was this sudden, you know, emerging un unknown threat mm -hmm. that kind of blindsided us and happened all very quickly. Now we're at least taking some time to be more thoughtful and introspective and, and figure this out. And I think we should, and whether your organization impl ever implements it or not, I still think there's lessons to be learned in just even the exercise of trying to figure out how would we do it? I've, mm -hmm. I've not met any CEO or any top level leader who isn't dramatically improved by a whole bunch of what if thinking, mm -hmm. what if we did that, what would this look like? Even if you don't have intentions of pulling the trigger on a hybrid work, it's best to go ahead and be thinking about it because the odds are, the odds are you're already having to think about it. And if May you the aren't, odds be in your favor. Yeah. And if you aren't, I, I, I'm going to be stunned if within the next three to five years, you're not, you're not up against the wall having to think about it. So it's better to be proactive and let's get ahead of this curve and let's be pre-thinking these things right now and figure out ways that we can do this. And I think there's a benefit. I think it can improve our abilities in person. If we can figure out a way to better connect like you and I are doing this podcast, well, that that's only enhanced if you and I are sitting across a table physically from one another. That's right. It strengthens, I think, from a hybrid model standpoint, I do think that's a, a beautiful model for a city because uh, not not for every city, and trust me, Again, culture, each city is going to have to assess this and what their community expects and what the culture is and is there an expectation of presence and visible presence or not. You know, every there's no one size fits all in city government. We're all doing business that fits our style, our operational needs, our expectations of our community and our mayors and councils. Uh, so this is, just, again, we're just giving dialogue on if you're thinking about it. Here's things to think about. Um, and I agree with you on the on the hybrid models. It's it's going to have to work. You, you're going to have to make sure, does that work for what your city can achieve? And it, does it benefit you? And I, I agree with you. The fact that 
people retention. You know, I j- in fact, I just read an article this morning that was talking about you and I have have shared it on a podcast before where people were calling it the great resignation. And I termed it kind of have followed some stuff that's talking about the great reprioritization. Just saw this morning. They're like, how do you move from the great resignation to now the great retention? How do we keep the workers in the workforce that are coming back? Um, which I thought was great because that is another, we are getting into that where we're seeing more workers come back into the workforce, but now how do you keep them in a, an environment that they want to come to every day? So we are competing for the best talent. We are competing against the Googles and the Apples and the all these places that offer a remote workforce 100%. We are going to have to adapt, I believe, long-term and find models that do work that offer a balance because we offer retirement benefits that private sector doesn't offer, but okay. they may offer a 100% work from home. We're going to have to sell what we offer. We're going to have to sell our culture, sell what you get working for us, sell the, for me, I, you know, I love coming into work every day, man, how many people in private sector do you hear ever talk about that? It is cutthroat typically. Now, I'm sure there's great places, right? Not everywhere. But so often manufacturing, I mean, you can provide some relief to people and provide an environment, sometimes at even a lower rate of pay that they enjoy coming to and they will stay. Yeah. And I was going to say what this is going to do, what it's already doing is it's providing people with opportunities and options mm-hmm. that heretofore might not have been available. I have talked to a more than a handful of people, they they want a job where they go in. They want a job where they are physically present. That's what they want. So if they were offered 100% remote, they would be miserable people. Good on them. Good on them to have a self-awareness to know. Mm-hmm. And I'm I've just I would go crazy. I had somebody tell me just the other day, you know, if if I couldn't if I couldn't go to the office or go to the workplace every day, I would go nuts. Okay, well, I'm not that guy and you're not, but some are. And so this is going to provide an opportunity then those people need to put themselves in positions where they have that opportunity to go right. and report report to a workplace uh, every day. So yeah, I well, there's think- lots of challenges, Randy, you know, with the hybrid, anytime they're working from home, we all got lots of challenges, especially your hourly folks, you know, and making sure they aren't working and not reporting it, that they aren't yeah. logging in just to check their emails for an hour. So they're ready to go before right. work starts, right. you know, right. there's also challenges on, um, there, I know that there was times for me, and I've talked with other people that are saying there's stuff that I can do very effectively from a different work site, but there's a lot of stuff. I need my double monitors. I need my efficiency. I need my printer, my scanner. And yeah. I don't want to have to be taking all that stuff back and forth to the office That's or have right. it two sets. That's right. So you, you kind of have to know what is effective for you and your team and those that are operating in that hybrid work environment to still get things done productively and efficiently with whatever space they're in. But and that's they aren't why that's why it. we're approaching it from a hybrid, which is a combination of both. There's some in person time and then there's some time that the work can be done remotely. Right. So for you guys, practically speaking, I mean it it went from okay, nobody's in City Hall to okay, now we're in City Hall a few days. 
and you guys have some teams that that what may may offer half days or no or they usually typically or what the ones that i've heard are typically um no different than probably other cities a lot of your admi not administrative but um in office types so when i say administrative they office worker types. Right, right. Uh, obviously, it doesn't work for the labor trades we talked about or inspectors and things like that. Um, but I have seen some groups that are doing one or two days at home and the rest in person. And like with my team, if that when they were doing it, I had like we have a benefits risks team and a class comp recruitment team. What, my requirement was one team member from each team at least had to be on site. So if we had walk-ins, they didn't have to say, hold on, I'm going to have to call so-and-so and connect you and try to figure out workspace. We had yeah. to have somebody there with knowledge right. to answer the walk-ins, to answer the call-ins. Um, but we were very fortunate because our, um, and I always told them, you have to be flexible and adaptable for this to work. If somebody was scheduled to be on site Thursday, Friday, and that's your day at home, and then they're suddenly sick, you don't have to be there at eight in the morning if it's seven when we call you but you are going to have to be flexible enough to come in. So there can't be an expectation that I'm going to keep my kids home from daycare those days. And I'm going right. to watch my kids and work. You know, I told them you have to assume everything else as if you were at work is occurring yeah. to, pre to not prevent you from coming in if there's a need and you have to be willing to do it. Because if we all of a sudden are unwilling to come in on the days that are unpredictable and somebody's out, then it's not going to work long-term because there's going to be resentment built up. We just know maybe the next week we give you four days at home and that person who was sick maybe comes in the four days. Do you see what I'm saying? We yeah. tried to make it very right. just reasonable yeah, and, and equitable and flexible so that everybody's respectful of what we're asking of one another on our team, um, that it's not an entitlement mentality. Yeah, and it's, it's obvious to you and I both that – some organizations with very small teams, very small organizations, real small head counts. Okay. That that's going to look different. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to look different because of the number of bodies that might be needed to occupy city, city or town hall. So yes, correct. So I think uh, as time, hopefully that kind of gives an overview of what we're, if you're facing the hybrid team or facing work from home, um, I really hope listeners tell us, you know, what their experiences and challenges, because I may not have seen that yet. And they might have great insight on if they're working, you know, maybe they're working three days from home and one day in the office. And it's, they found ways to make that work that we can share with other listeners, um, so that it kind of meets the needs of everybody. Um, but I think as we move forward, we'll talk, we'll take a deeper dive on each of these topics. Um, I've kind of written them down on the connectivity, the culture, productivity, and then how do you determine eligibility for tele for uh, telecommuting or hybrid workforces? And we can kind of take a deeper dive. What are some questions before we dismount? Are there, are there, what in your mind are there questions that, that the audience that we should be asking ourselves as we're, as we're trying to navigate this and figure this out? Are there, or what are the big looming questions in your mind? Really the one I, I'll just, the only experience I have is to tell you what I get. It's one, how do we make it work? That's the big looming question. And we've talked about a bunch of topics within that. Yep. That's the one I get the most when city managers is looking at this, they're hearing the issues that have escalated. Right. Typically not the positives like anything, 
if course. it's running well, you don't hear from anybody. Yeah, right. But it's the they were at Home Depot. They, you know, I caught them. They weren't mm-hmm. logging on for four hours, and I didn't realize it. And I'm not seeing any work done. How do we track it? So it's it's one just ensuring an expectation when you're not on site that everybody should be upheld to. And then two, how do you track productivity, which is what we're all doing, whether you're in office or not, how do we track that without it being burdensome and micromanagement? Thanks for watching and listening to Grow Great, a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com. Thank you.